Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. How about that Penn State football team, Penn State fans? It's time to talk a little Penn State football. Dave Jones, Bob Flounders here. Blue White Breakdown podcast. Dave? They really, really put it on Auburn last Saturday. They looked pretty good, 3-0, and number 14 in the country. And it looks like they got an easy one lined up on Saturday. I had to pull myself away. I was just watching the replay with the CBS uh, replay and really grading the offensive line. <laughs> you know, it, it isn't just the freshman backs. They played really well. And, and Fashano uh, played great. He's a, he's a star in the making, Dave. He really is. Manuel played great. The whole left side was good, and then the, they would set up the two tight ends on the right side to help out Wallace. The quarterback trap play from on their first touchdown, I just took a really good look at that. That was perfect, man. It was like the, the 69 Chiefs, you know, 65 cross power trap. It was perfectly, perfectly executed, just beautifully designed. And when a trap play works like that, it's just, it's artwork, man. It's a joy to watch. They're never going to be like a big, nasty, zone-blocking, Wisconsin-type offensive line, but they can be a cohesive, quick-footed, nimble offensive line, and that's what they're doing. They're in the process of doing that. I think you have to give, let's give a little credit to uh, Phil Troutwine. Yeah, yeah. And also, also Mike Yersich for uh, the games that he's called this year. Last year was not probably very pleasant for them, and then the offseason wasn't. But I think uh, they do have some athletes, but uh, you got to give them a lot of credit for what they've done through three games. Yeah, and I, I guess you, you have to go with the fact that, look, when you do get a couple of backs at the same time, like S- Singleton and Allen, my God, it, it probably lifts everyone's boats a little bit. It, 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 it makes every all the offensive linemen feel like if they just get a piece of their guy, if they just hang on for a second, those guys are going to get to the edge and figure it out. Or in Allen's case, he goes he goes up the A-gap a lot of times. Uh, the other thing that struck me about watching the tape was Manny Diaz had no respect for those quarterbacks, and he was going to make those quarterbacks beat him. I don't know if he will be able to do what he did in this game against – even Minnesota, especially Michigan, not Ohio State. But in this game, he saw a flaw, a considerable flaw, and he exploited it, man. I mean, he and plus Auburn had a new center. You know, I mean, I discarded some my Auburn friends down in Alabama warning me about the new center because their their kid that they had, Brahms, just quit at the end of the camp. He retired from football because his body was just not responding well. And all of a sudden, they've got a, new, a brand new center. So you combine rookie quarterbacks with a brand new center, and they didn't know where anyone was coming. I'm sure all of the blitz pickups looked scrambled. 
protection was just awful. And Manny Diaz ex- exacerbated that by putting guys all over the line. They didn't know where to block who. I mean, it was chaos. And he, he made it happen. Yeah, it was uh, it was really something uh, to watch. I, I tried to go through my little mental Rolodex such that it is uh, since I've been on the beat since 2002, but really since James Franklin took over in 2014, right? We're, that's really what we're talking about. The way that the team played on the road in that environment on, in, in all three phases, I don't know that I've seen a more complete effort from a James Franklin team. I, and I, but I've been doing this 32 years, and I don't know that I've seen a Penn State team in all that time play a true road game. I'm not talking about a bowl game, and I'm not talking about some. Uh, I got you. Yeah, some some made for TV one off in a pro stadium. I'm talking about a road game like this. I can't remember one where a Penn State team played this well. I mean, you got to go back to the pit game before my time, the 48-14 game, I think. Maybe. They were down 14 nothing against a really good pit team and just killed them. 48-14, right? This was a demoralization of that level. I don't think it helped Auburn that Brian Harson was really outcoached in this game. I thought he got away. The one asset he had was Bigsby, uh, the two running backs, and a running game if he pounded away. And a lot of the fronts that, that Manny was presenting had a lot of safeties, DBs up there. What if you just say, okay, we're going to line up nine offensive linemen and see if you can take it and see how long you can take it? I think that was their only chance. And, and put Ashford in there, the running quarterback, and see if they can absorb ground and pound. And, and he didn't do that at all. He, he got away from his running game early. He put the ball in the hands of these ill-experienced, inexperienced quarterbacks, ill-prepared quarterbacks, and it was disaster. Uh, I I just thought Brian Harson was outcoached pretty much by James Franklin, too, so there's that. You know, Penn State really now with with the two home games, uh, first Central Michigan Saturday noon and then Northwestern, which is not looking good lately. Then it's the bye week, Dave, then it's at Michigan. So there's a nice little runway, I think, for Penn State – uh, to do some things to get ready. I know I, Franklin would never admit it, to get ready for their next big game. Their next big game is is not for, I think it's, what is it, almost a month away. So if you're Penn State, how, how do you approach the next couple of games in the bye week? Well, first of all, you know, people are on our asses, and of course, rightfully so. But we don't, you, there's no way to know what a team is until one game like this. Purdue didn't really show us that running game, uh, the the Penn State's running game and the Purdue game. We didn't see that. We saw that Singleton and Allen were dangerous, but they didn't get free. Uh, we didn't see this offensive line. Uh, we didn't see uh, a team try to run on Penn State and denied. We, we did because Purdue doesn't run. Ohio doesn't run. So all of a sudden, we know a lot of things here that we didn't know about this team. And to me... They got a chance to win this league, man, and I would have never believed it. But they, after that bye week, they got a really tough set of games. It's at Michigan, which will beat them up a little bit. Then you've got to consider Minnesota, which is a physical team that runs the ball, runs the ball, runs the ball, and you know they're not going to make the mistake Auburn did. Pep Boy is going to go with that running game and Mo Ibrahim. 
assuming he's still healthy after uh, uh, 400 carries that he'll have at the, by the time they play Penn State. And then Ohio State. Uh, that is a brutal three-game stretch. So they're going to pay for this with that. But I'm ex- I expect that Franklin will keep playing all these young players, get them as much experience as possible, and then he'll have the depth to, for that three-game stretch. And if they come out of that, man, two and one, they can win this league. I mean, it, it, it all depends on if anyone can beat Ohio State and if they beat Ohio State. I think that's the one they got to get. Dave, I have three things for you since you just since you just responded. Most Penn State fans know about the the Dave Jones jinx, so don't don't be trotting that out there, man. Do not be trotting that out there. You're misrepresenting what Jinxie the Black Cat really is. If you write it in print, Dave, if you write it in print, I'm telling you right now, there's gonna be there's gonna be a comeuppance. It only happens when I make an ironclad declaration. This is going to happen. Okay, that's that's. I feel like you're starting to slide that way, Dave. I feel like you're sliding that way. You think Penn State fans are on your ass now? If you do that, (laughs) you might as well relocate. You might as well relocate, Dave. I really don't care. The one thing I wanted to say, Dave, though, is for any many Penn State fans that are giving you a hard time. You know that Purdue game was life and death, man. It's great that they're three and zero. It's not not like they walked over Purdue. Purdue had plenty of chances to finish these guys, and they didn't credit Penn State for rallying late, but that was a very winnable game for Purdue, and they just didn't get the job done. They didn't run the clock. I mean, uh, as sophisticated as Jeff Brom's passing game is, how about some waggles? How about some little safe passes that you complete? Instead, he's running deep slants and stuff that kept – Stopping the clock. If he just gets one more first down and manages the clock, they win the game. They they win the game. So that was kind of a gift. But this look, uh, so I don't feel bad about that blue pick. I feel like I botched this pick because I didn't believe what my eyes were seeing in that San Jose State game, which was week two for Auburn. And one particular fan gave me real crap for it on Twitter. And he said, did you see the San Jose State game? And I did, and I didn't believe my eyes. You know, sometimes all the, all the road games where Penn State has sphinctered up and they, they can't quite handle the venue, you know, all those, all those are working in your mind. But there's a lot of young players on this team with, with audacity. I mean, that's the only way you can put it. And they do not care. And they are out there just running around and having a good time. And they're all competing. They're not just competing for the team. They're competing for playing time, which is a powerful, powerful thing when you've got this many really good young players. And that is powering them, too. So I expect the attitude to continue. This isn't a bunch of veterans who are going to take a break now. I I can't believe that. So they're going to play hard. If they have the depth that they look like they do, maybe they can withstand this brutal uh, three-game stretch to the end of October. Yeah, and Dave, uh, this is a wooden table I'm knocking on. They have not really had to deal with any injuries yet either, Dave. Uh, That is one thing I think that is another thing. I know they're deep, but if they lose one or two key players, the complexion would change a little bit. But they are deep at just about every position, including quarterback, including running back. But They've also been very healthy. Hopefully that will continue. A lot, a lot can happen uh, in the next month. Penn State learned that a little bit last year. 
they got off to a good start. They couldn't they couldn't run the ball against Villanova, so that was troubling. But they were it looked like they were going to be six and zero after beating Iowa, and then maybe they were probably going to be seven zero going into the the Ohio State game. But things can just change in a hurry. This team though seems like they have a lot of their bases covered when it comes to depth. Yeah, they lost Mustafer and Clifford in that game. You never know. It, injuries are just luck. They're bad luck. Look at Michigan State. Michigan State didn't get anyone hurt last year. This year, it's like a mash unit. Their guys falling left and right, and they're really up against it in their game against Minnesota, which is a threshold game right off the bat for those two teams. We're going to see who's made of what and, and kind of similar teams, tough teams. But Michigan State is, is dragging, man. They've, they've got a lot of guys hurt. Probably have to lean toward Minnesota because they were the team that got everyone hurt last year. Now they're healthy. And th- those are two examples of, of what can happen but hasn't happened yet to Penn State. You're only talking about one of my favorite coaches in the Big Ten and P.J. Fleck. You call him Pep Boy. I call him P.J. And don't forget about the Kirk Shiraka revenge game. Uh, it's, it's not just about Minnesota. It's Kirk Shiraka's coming back. I think they might have did him a little dirty after the 2020 season. I think, if they're, I think it could be a really, really good game. And it comes at, on a point in the schedule where it's not advantageous for Penn State at all. Do we have a, do we have a game time on that? What is that? The Minnesota game is the is the is the uh, the whiteout game seven thirty. Yeah, and the, the thing is, Penn State has Michigan the week before at Michigan. Minnesota has at at Illinois. <laughs> not quite the same thing. That's going to be a really tough week. If Penn State can win in Michigan. Then it becomes easier, I think. If they're coming off a loss, man, it's going to be it's going to be tough. I think a win would actually help them. It'll make everything buoyant, more more buoyant. But but we gotta we gotta worry about uh, Central Michigan and Northwestern before that. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. Dave, I know, I know we gotta, we're going to just talk a little bit about Central Michigan, but I just felt like it was appropriate because you reacted to it too. I was, I'm thoroughly impressed with Chad Powers. <laughs> I liked what I saw from that. I enjoyed everything about it. It was very well timed, very well done. Eli Manning is, uh, you know, everyone, I think everyone had an image of Eli Manning when he played as, as, a guy that whatever that was, but um, between that and the Manning cast on Monday Night Football, this guy is a piece of work. Do you think everyone knows what you're talking about at this point? You should probably explain for people who don't. I would think that about eighty percent of the Penn State fan base know about it. But go ahead, we can we can we can actually open it up just in case somebody does not know who Chad Powers is. Well, the the Manning brothers are certainly marketing themselves right now, and what they're marketing is the goofiness. That, that lo- kind of lovable goofiness that came out. What was that? There was an ESPN commercial like 15 years ago where they're taking a tour uh, with their parents of the studios in Bristol <laughs> with John Anderson. He's leading the tour and they're acting like little brother, you know, big brother and little brother kicking each other and punching each other. That was probably the first time I remembered. And then and then uh, Peyton with uh, pack that meat, pack that meat in the grocery store. And remember that? <laughs> 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 these guys are really really funny 
They're funny guys. So I believe was ESPN behind this. I can't remember. I think they were behind it. No, right? no, it was Manning. I, I think Manning. Uh, James said Jan, they have their. They form their own production company. It's Omaha, and they actually have. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jimmy Kimmel and one of his lead writers, cousin Sal, are going to contribute to it. So you're gonna. There's going to be more content like this, but. They have a really good relationship with uh, Penn State because of the Manning Passing Academy. Uh, Sean Clifford's been there a bunch of times. Trace McSorley went there. I think Hackenberg was there. And they got to know. And the fact that I think Eli still lives in New Jersey. So there was a little bit of a regional tie, James said. And they actually approached Penn State. And uh, James was good with it. He was actually good in the in the couple of the snippets that I saw. But he didn't want to. He, he's like, as long as it's done early enough and it doesn't interfere with anything, we're all for it. And boy. It was just so well done, the dry sense of humor of Eli's and think fast, run fast, think fast, run fast. But <laughs> for the fans that don't know, he, he, put, he put like a disguise on and tried to go, go to the run on tryouts at Penn State as a quarterback that looked nothing like Eli Manning. And uh, the numbers were awful. With professional makeup. So they made his nose a little bigger. They gave him like a, a, a giant do. To make make him look like a hayseed from out in you know out in the, out in the cornfield someplace, and then he was he was constantly talking to himself, you know, and then like talking to the other guys and <laughs> run fast, run fast, run fast, think fast, run fast, think fast, run. He's just doing goofy stuff. It, it reminded me of uh, the Kyrie Irving thing years ago, <laughs> Uncle Drew. You remember yeah. that? Which yeah. before, when like when Kyrie Irving was actually likable, he did that Uncle Drew thing, which was hilarious. He looks like the old guy who's just ambling out on the basketball court, and then he's doing windmill dunks and stuff. It was kind of like that because all of a sudden Eli Manning is is throwing BBs like six yards, and everyone's going, "This this kid who was in on the joke." That's what I'm not clear on. Were were some of the Penn State coaches not in on the joke? I think a couple of the 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 people that were running the run on tryouts were in on the joke, but I don't think any of the candidates that were trying to make the team knew who he was. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they didn't. I'm just not sure if, if, if any of the low level assistants, uh, some of them didn't know it. You don't want to tell as many more people than you have to in the thing. Anyway, it's got to help Penn state recruiting. So I'm sure James Franklin won't mind that. I mean, it was suggested to me, this is, this was kind of the, kind of the uh, low echelon version of, uh, of Peyton. Who's who's been involved in other other places down south? Uh, anyway, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, just real quick, my favorite my favorite part, Dave. I just this is why I love Eli Manning uh, the most for this is when James called all the the run-ons together and he goes, first of all, I got a couple announcements. We found out one of you guys is ineligible. First of all, this person uh, is out of eligibility. Second of all, he ran a five nine. <laughs> he goes, he goes, no, he goes. Hey, what about the COVID year, Coach? What about the COVID year? And then he goes, and his testing numbers are awful. His testing numbers are awful. And then he came up and he took his stuff off. I thought it was great. Then he still had a piece of the chin left and said, "Can somebody take this?" Because he was he was pulling off the makeup. This is disgusting. Loved it. Loved every bit of it. Do, do you have any? Uh, I mean, there's almost nothing else to talk about around the Big Ten uh, because everyone's playing potted plants. That what I do want to get. <laughs> Well, Jesus, I mean, it's horrible. Even my, even Anna, Anna, who, who the, the running joke among two or three sports writers I know. Anna Jones. Jones. Yeah, the wives who know nothing about sports. You know, Todd Jones' wife and Aaron Portsline's wife and my wife. They don't know. They don't care to know. They don't want to know. And even she was like, 
why is Michigan playing this awful team? I think it's wrong. I just think it's wrong. They're, they're playing these, these tiny little teams. And I said, you know, that's what everyone does. They play the, they play the bowling pins in September. But that's why this game was so cool. I'm hoping that when we get the 12-team playoff, the differentiation between the teams that make the cut in the 12-team playoff and those that don't, you know, it's going to be around the 12, the 12, 13, 14, 11 teams. Those are going to be teams with two losses, a lot of them. Won't it help them if they go on the road and get a schedule strength component and, and play some non-conference games that are challenging? Won't that help schedules down the, down the line? Yeah, I, I hope that's true. Dave, can you at least give my Nebraska Cornhuskers credit for playing Oklahoma last week? I thought it worked out well for them. <laughs> I, I thought it was a good look. Poor Joseph. I mean, he he just has no shot. You know, aren't they aren't they just small and slow on defense? Uh, can you believe that's the black shirts? It's not. You know, he, Joseph made made him take their black shirts off in practice. That that was supposed to be inspirational. I think. It, it worked the other way. This is Penn State related. So Bruce Feldman came out with his uh, finalist uh, or updated Nebraska searching list. Billy O'Brien made the cut, as did your guy uh, Lance Leipold. Leipold. Yeah, Leipold and the uh, Iowa State coach. I think it's those three are on the short list. Billy O in Nebraska, your thoughts? Would he want to tolerate that fan base? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe – you know, I think they have to turn in anything, any any place in the middle of the country now. And, and we're talking like everyone from Illinois out to Nevada and the Dakotas down to Kansas, that broad stretch of the flyover country. They are just not going to be able to compete for high level recruits. That's my opinion. So the question is, could could OB recruit three stars like Wisconsin has a lot of three stars and turn them into viable football players? I think the, the answer is yes. He's the, he, he's the kind of guy who could do that. So is Lance Leipold. And I think that's what you need at Nebraska. Would OB stay there long enough to develop those guys? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, you know, now that I say that, I know a bunch of guys out in Omaha and they're, they're telling me now that it really that the fan base does not have broad expectations anymore. They're way past that. They're way past thick, and they're going to that. Still remembering the '01 Rose Bowl that they know they're not there anymore. It all came crashing down with that Penn State game in 2002. Your your first nothing nothing worth a damn has happened well to that program since then. Twenty years. Yeah, they they came close to beating Texas in the. Big 12 championship game in 09 with Indominic and Sue, but you're right. It's been just right in the toilet. 40 to 7. That was it for that was a wrap for the next 20 years for Nebraska football. So yeah. Yeah, I I just I I I think the fan base won't be as annoying as what I'm saying as say Indiana basketball, who really do they really do believe that they deserve the Bob Knight era and they're still there and they can still do it and they're right on the edge. And, you know, Mike Woodson is actually really recruiting. That might be a lot more possible than Nebraska revisiting 20 years ago. That's just not the mid 90s are not going to happen for Nebraska football anymore. Uh, That was a different era of recruiting where they could pluck kids out of Texas, some out of California, uh, dabble east of there. 
and it was a brand and the brand is gone. So yeah, I would say OB is probably a really good choice if he wants a job. All right, Davey, I think it's that time. It's prediction time. Give me like one or two things to look for, you're looking for, and then I'll do the same. I didn't want I did not watch the Bucknell tape. No, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Beta or VHS? What what did what did they tape that with? <laughs> Although one of Nick's friends played at Bucknell. He's gone now, Brandon Sanders, so I might have watched it for that, but he, he went to Rutgers and then he quit football. Uh, yeah, I'll, uh, what about 46 to 8? How does that sound? <laughs> I'm picking Penn State, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, you know what I'm a little surprised about, Dave, is the line's only 26 and a half. They think there's going to be a, a letdown. A letdown, a, a, a hand, this is a hammock game. With all the, this is what I'm saying, with all these kids vying for playing time, I don't see it. I mean, I don't see that happening. Maybe they get worn down later in the year, and when they start playing Rutgers or somebody, maybe then, but not now, man. They are revving and ready to go. I, I would definitely pick, uh, I would lay the points in this game. Yeah, I have it 52 to 10. Uh, when Central Michigan opened at Oklahoma State and then they played South Alabama, the only thing I noticed is each game they, the defense gave up over 500 yards of off uh, offense, and I think passing yards was something like 750 total in both <laughs> games. So I, I do think that as, as well as Penn State can run the ball, I would expect there's going to be a lot of big plays in the passing game for Penn State. Why don't you make it 52 to 11 just is just just for spice. You just like those weird scores, man. I know I you don't you if you hit it, people will think you're a soothsayer, you know, that, that you're a genius and they'll start really fine. Dave, no one's ever going to think that about you ever. No one will ever think that about you. I'm you're, not talking about me, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you. No, they don't think that about me either. They they know better. They know better. That's, you picked Auburn too, didn't you? Yeah. No one's up my butt like they're up yours, though. Um, I would just say this. I've only ever picked one score exactly right since I've been on the beat. So it's just, it, just can't, it just can't happen. Did you pick 11? If you pick 11 and it hits. I picked, I think, in the 2000, in 2007, they shut out Temple 47 nothing, and that was my score. And I think there was a missed extra point to make it 47 nothing, or else I would have not had that right. I've, I've talked myself into it. My new score, I'm changing my score. It's 48 to 5, okay? So there. All right. All right. Well, if you hit it, buddy, if you hit it, woo, that'll be something special. <laughs> Doing Tim Curley again? Woo! Woo! <laughs> All right. I think that's – I think after the Tim Curley reference, that's probably as good a time as any to, to wrap this bad boy up and – just get ready for Northwestern in two weeks. But I, I want to say, once again, fan, the Penn State fans, if you haven't had a chance to see it, check out the on Twitter, check out the Chad Powers Penn State thing. You're going to enjoy it. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. <laughs>